Morning. It's nice to see you all this morning. I know Mike had said that earlier. Pastor Mike had said that. But I mean it too. It's good. All right, I'm scanning the crowd. And I want to say, if you are a savvy veteran of grace, thanks for coming back. I love her. I I do. I love her congregational family. If you're a visitor, thanks for coming in. We're kind of a diverse group. I really like church. I recently read an article... Uh, and it talked about the 10 reasons. It was a Barna survey. Uh, and 10 reasons people, uh, the things they do when they feel distant from God. And one of them was, uh, you know, they pray, read their Bible. That was another one, you know, do this or that. But church didn't even make the top 10. Can you believe that, feeling distant from God? People don't even think about going to church? Man, there has been times in my life where it's coming to church that's drawn me closer to God. Just being around you. And worship, very good. I like worship. I do. I, <clears throat> I really like worship, actually. I kinda, it reminds me of an attitude that I have. And, and I've, I, I really mean this. You know, the only way they're going to get my Bibles is when they pry for my cold, dead fingers. <laughs> and worship just kind of gets me focused like that. You know what? God, nothing is going to take me away from you. Because I don't know anything that goes on around the world, but I know you have answers. So we're here today, and I just want to acknowledge a couple visitors. We've got uh, the Seer family, almost all the Seer clan. They're here to celebrate a whole bunch of things. Monique is getting married. Evidence that God moves. I'm kidding. You know, I've heard about you, Adam. I've heard about you off and on now for a while, and it is very nice to put a face to you. <laughs> So we're very excited for the two of you. And Chantal is graduating with her graduate degree. What? Deanna Gavin just graduated with a graduate degree. What is happening here? People are graduating high school. My nephew Griffin is graduating high school. There's no way he earned that. I don't believe it. Is he in here today? Oh, then I can talk about him. So for you graduates, whatever you graduated from, Trade school, eighth grade. Some of you, eighth grade, that's a big graduation. That was me. <laughs> High school, college, whatever your deal is, we're excellent work. But for the Seer clients, nice to see you. We, uh, nice to see you. You can live in some other state, but you're never really gone from us. Unless you move to Illinois. Then you're very far <laughs> gone from us. And then... So we're going to dive into the word. And I just want to take kind of a backwards look at something uh, that I thought was interesting. I really did, and I've stewed about this, and I've, oh, yeah, yeah. This is something very near and dear to my heart. It's just a very, let's just dive into the word, right? I won't even set it up any more than that. Go ahead, Alex. Then Jesus left Galilee. This is Mark 7, by the way. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in. Okay, so let's pause here. Jesus is in a place. He goes to another place. He doesn't want anybody to know where he's staying. This is a man, for whatever reason, wants a little privacy. Have you ever wanted privacy in your life? Yeah. I had some neighbors I always wanted privacy from. That's a different subject. But there are times, I guess, Jesus wanted privacy. But he couldn't keep it a secret. When somebody like Jesus is in the neighborhood, I guess people talk. He couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit. 
and she begged him to cast the demon out from her daughter. <clears throat> Since she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, by the way, we, another gospel says she was a Canaanite. So not only was she a Gentile, she was from Canaanite lineage. I mean, this is not exactly uh, the typical person who would ask Jesus for a miracle. And Jesus told her, first I should feed the children my own family, the Jews. Remember, this was a time where Jesus came. His ministry was very much to the Jews. It wasn't a secret. He traveled places where Jews were. He followed where Jews were. He spoke to Jews. So this Canaanite woman from Syria and Phoenicia, in desperate need, was able to track him down when he was supposed to be kind of anonymous, and she asked him for this favor. And he, I should be doing for the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. I just want to pause for a minute. He's not calling all other non-Jews dogs. For the sake of time, he's not. It's actually a much broader subject. We'll just leave it at that. Then Jesus left. Or then she replied, "This is her comeback. That's true, Lord. But even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat scraps from the children's plates." Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. Remember, he went there to be anonymous. She found out she had a real problem, didn't she? A real problem. Her daughter was possessed, and, and she finds this guy who was witnessing to Jews or sharing with Jews, and she's not a Jewish, and she still petitioned him. And she didn't take no for an answer, so to speak. She, she, just, she hung with him. And I kind of like this very ending here. Now go home for the demon has left your daughter. This is a bit of an aside. But you know... If the Lord says he's going to do something, we can be certain that he's going to do it. That's faith. If he says he's going to do it, we can be certain that it's done. Certain that it's done, not hope that it's done. It's a lot of times I'll hear people speak on faith all, for many, many years, many years, and, and they mix up faith and hope, or they misuse faith, or all kinds of stuff. If Jesus says he's going to do something, or if God says he's going to do something, Done. There's no speculation after it. This was the end of the story. She got up. Apparently she went home. The daughter was okay. Life moves on. That's good news. That's a good story, right? If this lady would have taken the time to think about this beforehand, she may have thought she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Remember, Jesus was he's trying to find a house that nobody knew he was at. And he was only really ministering to the Jews. He even said as much to her, I'm really here for the Jews. She could have been defensive, and she could have said, ah, it's not the right place because he's trying to keep you know, a personal time or whatever he's trying to do there. And, and I'm not a Jew, so this isn't the time for me to go talk to him. She could have gone to this defense. She was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but she didn't. She stayed with it. And this is another bit of an aside. It seems reasonable to say. You know, we as believers, we have anointing. How we use the anointing in our life is something different, but we walk in anointing. Amen? Now, there's different giftings. Some people are gifted in this and that. The worship team is gifted in some things I'm not gifted in. You don't want me to grab a microphone and sing. That's a natural gifting. There's spiritual giftings. There's all kinds of giftings. In fact, over the, as the year goes on, we'll talk more about those. But the anointing, the kickstart, God gives a good kickstart. It's a very good thing that we have. Okay, so this is what got me thinking about this. This is the part that's near and dear to me. And the prophetic word kind of spoke to this today. It's a different angle. Moving forward in the Lord. 
and prayer. Why, do you, why is it, and I'm not really asking you for answers, I guess, but I wonder why more believers don't pray more often. Now, if somebody doesn't believe in God, I understand why they don't pray. That's a gimme. But I wonder why more believers don't pray more often. If I look back in my, my walk with the Lord, at whatever age I was in, a little boy up to, I'm still a very young man. Is, am I a young man? I have to stop thinking about that. For, maybe I, I don't know. I'm not as old as some people. I'm not as young as others. Okay, anyway, if I look back at my life, and I think of, of all the, the experiences I have, have had with God, the very, I've had very few like heavy-duty, life-shake-up experiences with God. I mean the kind that really, really, really rattle you. And I've had just a few. I can count them in a hand. Every one has been while I was praying. I think, why wouldn't people pray? Isn't that an interesting question? Don't you want to know why more people don't pray? It would be wonderful if we could poll the whole world of believers and say, why don't you pray? Or why don't you pray more? Or what would it take? I'm not saying you or me or we should. We're, I'm just, just as a big broad stroke, why don't believers pray more? It's a pretty simple question, but I think that the answers are complex and long. But we're going to take a quick swag this morning and just look at some, what I believe are common reasons believers don't pray more. Are you ready? Okay, number one. Let's look at the verse. The next verse. Is it frozen, Alex? We need a commercial break here. Well, I'll tell you what. We get it? Okay, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. I just want to just hit this real lightly. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask. Frankly, I don't think we think big enough. And I think that holds us back from prayer. I think more believers need to think bigger. Pray bigger. Now, it doesn't mean God's going to do everything we pray for, but we have to go to him with this bigger concept. He can do more abundantly than we think or ask. All right, let's put him to the test. Anything you have in your life, put him to the test. Think big. You know, there used to be an expression that, I, I like this, it's an old expression. You know, if you need to pray for a car, why don't you pray for a Porsche or a Cadillac? You know, why pray for a car that's got two doors held together with duct tape? God, I just need a beater, just a beater, just any kind of car. You know what, if I'm going to pray for a car, I'm going to pray for a Maserati. I know some of you like Teslas. Okay, go pray for a Tesla. Although I don't want a car I plug in, you know, when you're dragging the cord behind it. But you get the concept behind this. If we're going to pray, let's go big. You know, when we pray for this church... I pray for all kinds of things when I'm in my own private prayer time for this church. God, I pray for you and your lives. I pray for you by name. I often go through uh, our directory and I pray through people by, through you by name and for your families. And I don't pray small stuff. I pray for you to get big money. I pray for you to get 
the things you want, but that you can use it to share the gospel, to share the message. I know the Lord told me that if Jeff and Judy get money, they're going to give me a lot. I pray for that. <laughs> Second reason I don't think a, a lot, people pray as much as they could is because of wacky priorities. The wacky priorities. Let's look at a couple verses to kind of get an idea of this. Go ahead. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas or old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Get it? Train yourself to be godly. That's where it's at. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and a life to come. I've known workout warriors. They can work out for hours a day. Do you know these folks? Yeah. Hours. Or even if it's 30 minutes every day. But they don't have the time to pray. I think, what? One's going to help you in heaven. One's going to help you here. Or one's going to help you in here and in heaven. We get the idea. Okay, that's wacky priorities. It's good to work out, but make sure there's time to seek the Lord too. James 4.3, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly and you spend it on your passions. Sometimes, it, wacky priorities, we do ask, but it's about asking for things that, you know, it's, eh, that Maserati. Eh, God, I really need a Maserati. I don't need a Maserati. I want a Maserati. It does 185. <laughs> Some of you know what that meant, right? <laughs> Some of you have no clue what it meant. You need to find somebody older. <laughs> Another reason. We wonder if God will hear or answer our prayer. Have you ever wondered where God is? There's a prophet, Habakkuk, he writes this, and multiple prophets have written in this Bible multiple times in Scripture, but I really like the way Habakkuk says this. Go ahead. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Hello, Lord I don't think you understand. There's problems here. I haven't seen you yet. Have you ever prayed and wondered where God is? That is no reason to stop praying. The people who don't pray very much, I don't, just because God doesn't move the way they expect him to move, we can look at probably everybody in this room, we've had something in our lives that we don't understand why it went down the way it went down. Maybe years later we get a sense of why. But we don't understand it at the time. Has that ever happened to anybody? Why, Lord, did this happen? I've been a really nice guy. Where are you? Don't you know there's bad people? So, I'll give you an example. I was praying for this. I pray for the neighborhood a lot. And I was walking on Wednesday to buy uh, a, a chocolate shake. So I left the building, and I'm walking down the street, and two guys were walking toward me, and they just called me a very bad name. And I, Lord, why is that? I pray for the neighborhood. We're trying to minister in the neighborhood. We want to share about you in the neighborhood. We want to carry the gospel in the neighborhood so souls can be one to you, to eternal life, to relationship with you. Why would these two people just call me a name? Do you know what he said? Nothing. But I'll keep praying for the neighborhood. And then I'll pray that God smites these two. No, I won't really do that. I don't know why they did it, but I can't stop praying for the neighborhood. Amen? Okay, another reason. We uh, will often ask God after we try something. How many of you are doers or fixers? Ah, oh, let me just get in there and do it. Oh, I broke it. Let me call for help. <laughs> I did that. I put a thermostat in my house, and I took my old thermostat off, and I moved a couple wires in my heat, my, th- my heat furnace downstairs. And I ran upstairs and got it all fixed. Didn't work at all. Not a bit. So I called the guy after $170. He fixed it. 
What made me feel better is he said I was missing a wire. Now, how would I have known I was missing a wire? That made me feel better. But many times we do this in our own life. We fix it, and then we ask, for, we ask God for help when it doesn't go right. If believers remember, if we think, you know, I happen to know the maker of the universe, I'm going to ask him for his input before I do this, and then see how it goes, I think he does things for us that we don't even realize. Well, I want to hear his voice. Just ask, and if you don't hear anything, give it a shot. Now, if you hear something, act on it. But if you don't hear anything, go, then go ahead and give it a shot. But many times people will say, regularly people will say, uh, you know, Jim, I, I think I'm supposed to move. Are you where are you supposed to move to? Uh, you know, they say, Chicago, whatever. No, not Chicago. <laughs> I'm supposed to move to Wauwatosa. Okay, why Wauwatosa? And they have all these reasons. And they, they tell me they started looking for places to live. And they're thinking about getting a new job. And I'll say, have you been praying about this? Oh, no. No, I'm going to do that soon, though. I, I plan on doing that. What? We are fixers. I think as Americans, we have a lot of things accessible to us. I think this is a distinctly American issue. We can do, we have a lot of access to many, many things. And we can do a lot of things ourselves. Other parts of the world, doesn't, they don't, there's poverty or there's uh, other challenges and there's uh, not the freedoms to do things. Uh, but here in America, we can do lots of things. I think for us to ask God first is critical. Oh, let's read the verse after that. How's that? John 15, 5. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. This is, the, last, this is the, last, the sentence I really like here. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, if we really want God to drive our life, we have to make sure we ask him first. Another reason I don't believe everybody prays or prays as much as they could, uh, we don't often think about or we overestimate, or I'm sorry, underestimate our enemy. You know, we do have an adversary. We do. Go ahead. Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Stay alert and be persistent in all your prayers. We have an adversary. Stay alert. This is 1 Peter 5.8-9. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looks for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Be strong in your certainty. Remember that your family of believers... Over all, uh, believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. We do have an enemy. He does look to get us. And I do want to pause for a minute and say not everything is a spiritual war. You know, if you're running late for work, that might not be the devil. Amen? Not everything is a spiritual battle. If, you, uh, if you're grilling, have you ever been grilling and run out of propane? That, night, that might not be an adversarial attack. Maybe it is, but maybe it's not. Not everything is an adversarial attack. I don't want to take him lightly, but I also don't want to give him too much credit. I believe that God preserves us in times that we don't realize it, but prayer is the key. It's the foundation to this. There are times where we are smack dab in the middle of spiritual warfare. But praying beforehand makes it much, much smooth much more smoothly to go through. Another reason, prayer requires waiting on the Lord. How many of you like to wait? 
I don't see any hands. Let me try that again. How many of you like to wait? There's not, waiting can be very difficult. There are times where, where waiting is all right. You know, the worst or the best waiting, I guess, depending where you're at, is the waiting that's mandatory. You know that? If you're really hungry and you don't have any money for food, you have to wait on God, don't you? If you're really broke and you have no money, you have to wait on God. If you're in poor health, you have to wait on God. Waiting on God, sometimes we're forced into it, and other times when we, it's a discipline. God, I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait for you. Go ahead, Alex. Lamentations 3, 25 and 26. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. We're talking just an old school, down and dirty, waiting on God. What would you have me do? And I, I believe it goes against the grain, again, partly for us in America, uh, our culture here. Uh, we are moving, 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 moving. And waiting on God can be very challenging. Very challenging. For you graduates, you people going through life change, it's great to have answers on what to do. I know, you know, people who get out of trade school or they get out of college or high school and they want a job, they want to figure out what to do. I hear about this re- with retirees. They think, okay, now I'm done. Now what? Now what? And it's hard to wait to figure it out. But we shouldn't let this hold us back from praying. And finally, maybe we never learned how to pray. Maybe we just didn't learn how to do it. Go ahead, Alex. This is the Lord's Prayer. And he just, I'm just going to pull out a couple things here because I think the concept is very simple. Most of us know this. If anything, we know it from funerals. We know it from, from what I understand, private schools a number of times. We would learn it in private school. But let's read it. Matthew 6. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. There's one tip right there. We don't have to pray really long to have really effective prayer. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He does know. It's not like it's going to be a revolutionary concept. Have you ever heard somebody pray and they, and they feel like they need to tell God their whole story? God, in third grade I had an experience and Lord, you brought upon me this day. He knows. Just go to the chase. <laughs> pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, right away, we're, Jesus is giving this example of like, Lord, I want to align to you. Give us this day our daily bread That's it. That's the little sliver. Help me with these things I've got going on in my life. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, I want to align to you. By the way, I need a few things and show me how to preserve my walk. Now, those are really rough buckets, but that's all it is. When we pray, we just, we have a very simple guide. Praying for people who, those believers who do it intermittently or loosely or lightly or if they do it after the fact or, or any of these things, they really shortchange themselves. I've got a verse I'm going to read. It's Acts 4.31. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak of the Word of God with boldness. You know, prayer can encourage boldness. 
Now, I know that the Holy Spirit was part of this scene. I don't want to make light of that. But prayer can encourage boldness. If you're looking to advance something in your life, pray more. I want to raise the bar. We've been talking a lot as a church about next steps. You know, we've got visitors that are coming in regularly. We love it. We've tried uh, things with our politicians. We really believe the the Lord is growing and uh, deepening the vision that we're walking in. We really believe that. But we center it behind prayer. We're going into territory that's new for me. I don't know how to deal with local politicians and share the gospel with them. I can share the gospel, but I don't know how to engage with local politicians. That's an example. So, Lord, give me a show us, show me how to do it. Show us as a congregation how to do it. I want to look for new ways to get into the church neighborhood, knowing there's some people who are hostile to us being in this neighborhood. There's a boldness I need from deeper prayer. The Jewish community, uh, by and large, is not really keen on people sharing Jesus with them. We need a boldness for that. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Uh, have you ever tried to share faith with one of your friends or coworkers or somebody in your family? And they say, you know, we're great friends. I've known you for a million years, but I don't want you to tell me about that anymore. Does that happen to anybody? Don't you think there's a boldness that's required? No, I, I'm not saying you should go knock them over the head with your Bible. Well, maybe. So what I'm talking about, I'm not saying that we don't pray and that we're not a praying church. I'm saying that if we want to move forward into the things that God has for us, it requires a certain intensity and a certain focus in prayer. That's what I'm saying. And through, these, through prayer, tremendous things happen. I said from the onset that the, the greatest moments of my spiritual life have always been in the middle of my prayer time. I've had nice experiences with the Lord in services. I've had nice experiences with the Lord as I've listened to messages. I've had nice experiences with the Lord uh, with believers as we've talked. But when God's really shaken me, when God's really changed me, it's been when I've been alone and quiet. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do the same thing with you, but you're not going to go wrong for him. This is what we need to do if we move forward. God, how do we do it more? So it's not a, this is not a message of condemnation. This is actually a message of hope. There's a hope in this. I do want to be used more. I never want to look back at my life and say, meh, I was an okay believer. Our belief, our faith system, being a Christian, is something we can only get better in as we serve the Lord, all the way up to our deathbed. Everything else in life can fade out. Everything else. Talents in music, talents in the school, I don't know if that's a talent, talents in academics or in profession or whatever. But with the Lord, we can only draw closer. That's all we can do, draw closer. If we pursue God, we can get closer. I can be really, really good as a believer. I, really, I can be phenomenal as a believer. As much as I want to take it and go, I can do that. The Holy Spirit will respond. I can never outgo the Holy Spirit. Never. Can you? That's a pretty good challenge, isn't it? We have nothing to lose. So this morning, the message of hope is, if we want to see things in our life, if we want to have a dynamic life with God, it's baked in prayer. If you would, please stand up. And we will pray as a group. Lord God, we thank you for this congregation. 
and we thank you for access to you, Lord. We have this prayer access. We know it as a church. We're a praying church. We've been a praying church, and we'll continue to be a praying church. But, God, we want to be uh, deeper in understanding the right way to pray, how to pray more aggressively and how to pray more proactively. Lord, how to share uh, the, the excitement of prayer. God, we thank you for the work that you're doing in this house, and we will seek you in this. We're blessed by it, Lord. We chase you hard. We chase you as hard all our days. Lord God, I thank you for the works and people individually and that we get to come together and share in that. God, we're blessed to, blessed to follow you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen.